the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Sponsored by the Law Office of Robert Bergman. Welcome to Plan Your Estate Radio with your host, San Jose Estate Planning Attorney Bob Bergman. Bob's been practicing law for over 30 years and is certified by the State Bar of California as a legal specialist in estate planning trust and probate law. Bob is here to help you set your house in order with valuable insights you can use today to prepare a better tomorrow for your loved ones. And now your host for Plan Your Estate Radio, Attorney Bob Bergman. Good afternoon, Bay Area. This is Attorney Bob Bergman broadcasting from my office here in San Jose near the Westgate Shopping Center. Just a a few pieces of business. First of all, if you'd like to call the show today and ask me some uh, questions on the line, you you can uh, dial me at 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. Or you can also uh, radio, uh, you can also email questions to me at radio at lawbob.com. That's radio at lawbob.com. If you email me there, uh, I may be able to get to them during the show and uh, actually get some of those questions answered on the air. One other point of business is uh, I just found out that I'm going to uh, be able to move to a new office here in San Jose, uh, effective basically March 1st of this year. So, So four weeks away from today, I should be in a new location. I'm going to be in the Cambrian Park uh, going to Willow Glen area of San Jose. It's going to be a good move for my, my practice. Uh, the office space is laid out very nicely so I can have a dedicated room for the seminars that I give on Saturday mornings and a dedicated office space for me and another space as a router room and storeroom and then an outer office with storage and uh, also as a waiting room. Um, the other benefit is it, it does have an elevator and plenty of parking, so it's uh, a little more centrally located than, than I have been all these past several years. But the big bonus for me, it's only about five minutes from my, my daughter's school, so I can easily drop them off in the morning and uh, get to my office in five minutes. And then when I pick them up later in the day, it's only five minutes or so to get back to pick them up. And that's going to save me a lot of time. Those of you who have big commutes, you know what it's like to commute far from home. Uh, this new location will also put me closer to my home out in South San Jose, and I won't be traveling as far or taking as much time as I used to. I'm, so I'm looking forward to the move. It's a little bit hectic in my office now as I start looking around at all the things that need to go and the things that need to be given away and also going through the things that need to be thrown away. So it's good. It's a chance to purge my office of all the stuff that's gathered in here over the last several years and get a fresh start in a new location. So 
Uh, the new location will be announced on my website at lawbob.com uh, as soon as I have confirmed that and I've signed the lease. So I just want to give you all a heads up. Until then, I still have two more sets of seminars that I'm giving here in my office here in San Jose. Tomorrow morning at 9 o'clock, I have my Living Trust Seminar and a little later in the morning, my Retirement Plan Trust Seminar. You can go to my website at lawbob.com or you can go to eventbrite.com and uh, and register for one or both of those seminars. My next set of seminars here in February will be on the, uh, let's see, on the 16th. Again, my Living Trust Seminar followed by my Retirement Plan Trust Seminar will be later that morning. But I've added another Living Trust Seminar, which will be next week, Thursday, February 7th, starting at 11 o'clock. So for those of you who are retired and want to come to a seminar, but Saturday morning just doesn't work for whatever reason, um, or those of you who are uh, stay-at-home moms or dads and you want something to to do during the day while the kids are at school, uh, you can sign up for my Living Trust Seminar next Thursday at 11 o'clock here in my office. I'm adding this as a test to see if there's interest in people coming to a seminar in the middle of the day, pretty much during the week. And uh, if you'd like to come, that would be a good time to come because right now I'm just now advertising it and, uh, and no one signed up yet, so there's plenty of room. Now, for the past several months, those of you who've been listening, and by the way, thank all of you who have called me up or emailed me and uh, given me feedback on the show. Uh, I'm finding that people are enjoying the show. Uh, They like the topics that I cover and the information that they learn. So that's part of what I'm here for is to make sure that you're educated about things so that you can make informed decisions as a consumer about who should do estate planning for you and what kinds of things that you might need and the situations you may be in right now that maybe there could be a solution or a way out to fix the problem. So going back and following the format that I've had for the last several months, I'm going to go back to my, uh, quote, mailbag, which are basically listings from around the state of people who have questions about estate planning issues who are looking for input And I'm going to dive into those right now and see if we can't educate some more things today. So the first thing is we've got someone here that wants to know, apparently their father died and their stepmother is refusing to show the will to to the father's children and heirs. And uh, the stepmother is just saying, no, uh, everything goes to her. Well, first of all, if there's just a will, there's a very good chance that everything does go to the stepmother. But that being said, if there's a will, there's actually a law here in California that requires the person who is holding on to the will of somebody who has died. It requires them to file it or what we call lodge it with the probate court in the county where the person lived. This is for this very reason so that the heirs of the person, either the people named in the will, or if they would be heirs under the law of the person, what we call intestate heirs, that they have a right to see the will and they have the right to 
to get a copy of it uh, so that they can determine whether or not it needs to be tested or they think there's some reason that it, that it should be contested. So the stepmother um, really has no basis for re- refusing to provide a copy of the will. Um, now, if it's a trust, that's a whole different issue, but we're talking about wills just now. So stepmother probably has to file the will with the county, and uh, what I would advise these children is you let her know she's required to do that, and then if she fails to do that, then you may actually have some legal recourse in the courts to compel that will to be turned over to the courts so that it could be considered. Um, but right now, um, and again, I'm sure you're aware this is not an uncommon situation. There's often not a lot of love lost between step-parents and stepchildren. Uh, some stepchildren are raised from a very young age, and they consider the step-parent to be the parent, and the step-parent considers the stepchild to be the child, and those can work out really, really well. But as you know, and you may know someone, you may be someone right here, in cases of remarriage or marriage after someone's lost a spouse, step-parent, step-children relationships can be very complicated, and uh, they often end up in fights over inheritance. So I'm not surprised to hear that there's a stepmother that's refusing to actually provide a copy of the will to her deceased husband's children. Now, we're coming up on the first break of the show. I want to repeat that you can call me at 800-516-1220, like the the number of the station, KDOW, 800-516-1220. You could also email me at radio at lawbob.com if you have any questions. And so until we come back after the break, this is attorney Bob Bergman. That's when the Michelin Man is on your side. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio. Once again, your host, estate planning trust and probate law specialist, attorney Bob Bergman. Hi, welcome back. Bob Bergman here. I'm going to continue on with more more situations from around the state of here in California. Uh, Again, if you'd like to call, it's 800-516-1220. That's 800-516-1220. 516-1220. My board operator, Marco, is standing by to take your call and be happy to let me know you're on the line and patch you through. So here's a situation, and I'm sure this is not an uncommon situation at all. Here's someone actually um, here in my county, and uh, you have two siblings. They've asked the third sibling, who is the trustee It appears the trustee of a parent's trust after the parent died, and they've asked for an informal accounting about what's been going on with the trust. The uh, this case, the sister who's the trustee agreed to do that, but never provided it. Uh, There's a belief that the sister hasn't kept adequate records, and possibly even used trust money for her own benefit, but there's no proof either way. 
Now, at the very beginning, right after the parent passed away, <clears throat> apparently the law office handling the trust had the two siblings sign a document waiving rights to a formal accounting. But before they signed, uh, they asked for an informal accounting, which the sister agreed to but has never followed through. Now, the trust is still ongoing. The sister's move is not responding to any attempts at communication. The question is, can we ask for a formal accounting now, even though we signed that waiver three years ago? Well, you may not be able to ask for a formal accounting, but you would be able to demand an accounting of some kind because it was an agreement. If it's been three years, I can't figure out why administration of a trust would be taking uh, three years to be done unless there's businesses being run or complex property being sold or something like that. It just There just seems to be something wrong here by the length of time that's going on. I would also ask the question, is that law firm still involved in assisting with the administration or, or were they basically fired by the sister so they're no longer actively involved in handling things? That would be another thing I would ask here. But definitely, I think that that they could make a demand on the sister to provide the to provide at least the informal accounting and then file in court to demand a formal accounting um, and then let the sister say, oh, show up at court and say, oh, well, they agreed that I wouldn't have to give a formal accounting. And then the, the court then can say you will provide an informal accounting and I'm making that my order. So. This is the kind of thing that probably would take recourse to the courts to get sorted out, and that's what I would advise. Now, I don't do that kind of work myself as an attorney. Whenever I need to do uh, something um, or I have a client that needs recourse to the courts because there's a dispute of some time, I refer them to a local attorney here in San Jose that I've referred matters like this to for many, many years and I rely on him to do the good work and fight the good fight for my clients and the people who come to see me. Now, speaking about fighting the good fight, um, I'm uh, very excited because uh, next week on uh, February 8th, I'm going to be inviting into my studio here in my office, which is not real fancy. The studio isn't. Uh, I'm going to be inviting a local San Jose estate planning attorney James Berge, B-E-R-G-E, James Berge. Jim and I have been friends for a long time. Uh, we even uh, co-taught a course for attorneys on getting into estate planning, kind of an introduction to estate planning for attorneys as part of continuing education for them. And uh, Jim specializes in elder law which is the law surrounding, as you might imagine, people who are older. Now, I'm getting up in the elder law area myself, although I don't, you know, I'm certainly more youthful than my age. But uh, at some point, I will be an elder law candidate. We all will if we live long enough. So Jim specializes in things like conservatorship, specializes in Medi-Cal planning, long-term care planning. I do some of that as well myself, but from a different angle uh, than I think he does. But I'm inviting him onto the show next Friday for at least a couple of segments, probably for the whole show, 
because I want him to pass on to all of you out there what conservatorship is, um, which I've talked about on the show, but how it's really, really something that you want to avoid if at all possible. And so he's going to provide me some uh, like questions and talking points, and we're going to have a discussion on the air next Friday. So tell people to tune in for next Friday's show, especially to hear me talking with estate planning attorney Jim Berge, a colleague of mine, technically a, a competitor of mine, but we're really not competitive with each other. We actually uh, help each other out a lot with our respective clients. Um, so tune in next Friday, uh, the 8th, 2 to 3, when I interview and talk with my, my friend, attorney Jim Berge. I think it would be well worth tuning in because you're going to get your eyes wide opened about conservatorship and uh, find out the reasons why it's something you really don't want your family to go through for you. Some of you out there probably have already had to deal with a conservatorship for a parent or a loved one, uh, maybe even a spouse, maybe even uh, an adult child or aunt or uncle or grandparent. So this is something to really tune in. I think you'll find it very, very useful. Now, here's someone uh, again here in in my area here in Santa Clara County says, uh, I understand a testamentary will goes to probate. I've heard that in California, a will would turn all our assets to our daughter when she reaches 25, even if that's against our wishes. Now, what they're talking about here is they want to make sure that all their property is held for their daughter and not given to when she's 25. The best way to do that is to create a trust that that, uh, when you're both gone creates a trust for the daughter, maybe somebody else in charge of that trust, a lifetime trust. I've talked about these before. It's what I call the castle trust. At the same time, these people are concerned about their IRAs, um, so they want to know how do we keep money out of our daughter's hands until well past 25. Well, there's also the retirement plan trust that can be used for things like IRAs and 401k plans. Um, I mention that because just to circle back around, I'm doing my living trust seminar tomorrow morning and my retirement plan trust seminar later in the morning tomorrow at my office here in San Jose. So this particular question that came up could actually be addressed successfully by this family doing both proper living trust planning and proper trust planning for their retirement plan assets so their daughter does not have things handed to her too soon or maybe not handed to her at all, having someone else take care of it for them. So we're coming up on the midpoint of the show today. I hope you've learned some things, and uh, and I want you to stay tuned for the second half of the show when I go through some more questions and comments from around the state of California. Uh, I have some good ones coming up here, and I think you're going to be maybe surprised at a couple of them. So until then, this is State Planning Attorney. Talk with you after the break. This is Plan Your Estate Radio with San Jose estate planning attorney Bob Bergman on AM 1220 KDOW. Hi, welcome back. 
Now, while I was sitting here at my desk, I was listening to the commercials, and I heard a commercial go by for my friend Eric Heckman of Heckman Financial. Uh, I know a lot of people tune the commercials out um, out when they're listening on the radio, but I just want to uh, give my vote of confidence for Eric. Uh, Eric is a certified financial planner. He and I used to do seminars for um, for a nonprofit. We'd go into companies. Uh, companies like Brocade and, and, and others, and do seminars. I do them on estate planning. He'd do them on financial planning. And apparently he has an event, a couple of events coming up at the Camden Community Center on the 6th and the evening of the 7th. And uh, I just thought I'd give Eric a plug here. Uh, his number to register for one of those seminars is 800-931-5973. Eric also has a show on Saturday mornings on uh, 860 The Answer, which is one of the sister stations for KDOW, and you might want to check his show out as well. Can't recall what the time is. I know that uh, he creates the show in his offices in downtown San Jose, but um, he's worth listening to. He's a good guy. Um, I've referred many people to him. He's referred people to me. And uh, even though uh, he and I don't see eye to eye on politics, I mean, a lot of people don't now nowadays, but that's perfectly fine. He's a great guy. He's a great financial planner. And uh, I'm going to give him my endorsement right now here on the air. Uh, again, 800-931-5973 if you want to register for one of Eric's financial seminars. I think he's going to be talking about retirement planning. <clears throat> so here... Um, Someone asked a question, <clears throat> what is the time length to file on the issue of interference of inheritance in California? So I'm not sure exactly what this is about. I seem to recall reading another one where the person was talking about um, how it had been many, many years since a trust was created but the trustee's not doing right by the, the beneficiaries, I guess the children, and want to know, is there a time length to file what we'd call a statute of limitations? If someone is acting contrary to what their responsibilities are as the trustee of a trust in reference to the beneficiaries of the trust, that's an ongoing problem and an ongoing infraction, if you will, an ongoing violation of the rules. If it's been several years this is going on, then you could only go back a certain amount of time and go after the trustee for what they did from from maybe a couple years ago forward, but not 10 years ago. But in any event, yes, if it's an ongoing problem, if it wasn't something that finished up several years ago and now they want to know, can we go back and and go after the person. If it's been a long time ago that everything stopped, the answer is probably no. If it's an ongoing problem, the answer is definitely yes. It's just that you'd be limited in how far back you could go from today to actually bring up things that were done and maybe put in claims to have have monies reimbursed or or things like that. So that is kind of the short answer right there. So here, here's a, a question. This probably comes up a lot, too. There's trusts that were done um, 
back a, a while, and there's still thousands and thousands of them out there. I've talked about them before. They're called AB or ABC trusts that mandate that when the first spouse dies in a marriage, that that spouse's half of property either uh, either go into what's called a credit shelter trust, which is a um, which is what we also call a bypass trust, or else that that person's share goes into a marital Q-tip trust, which is a trust solely for the benefit of the surviving spouse. So here, the question's raised. There's an A-B trust, and the husband's died, and the wife now wants to know, hey, um, do, do we have to divide this up? And the answer is, Yes, you do. Uh, You can't do a restatement of the trust or amend the trust now, at least not without a court order. In a case like this, you could actually go into court under probate code section 15404, excuse me, 403, or possibly 15409, and demonstrate that there's changed circumstances and the reason for doing that kind of trust which was to avoid estate taxes back in the past, really doesn't apply anymore today because of the higher federal estate tax exclusion that's in effect. And you can actually ask a court to do that, to change or rewrite the trust so that you don't have to divide up the property. Now, I do these regularly in my practice. Uh, I also do them um, on an ex parte basis, meaning that no formal hearing is necessary as long as the, in this case, the surviving spouse and all the children think it would be a good idea to do this. Uh, I do them through one of the Bay Area courts here where I'm able to take all the paperwork, walk in, file the paperwork with the clerk of the court, go up, hand the paperwork over to the court's attorney called the probate examiner, and often within 10 minutes, I actually get a signed order back saying you don't have to divide the property. If you're facing a situation like that, say maybe you are the uh, the surviving children and both your parents have passed away, but they had this kind of trust and it was never divided when the first parent died, or you're the surviving spouse and you have this kind of trust that says you have to divide things and your children say, well, that doesn't make any sense, Mom or Dad. You shouldn't have to do that. You know, give me a call. Uh, give me a call, 408-247-0444, because I may have a solution for you so that you don't end up getting in uh, difficulties with the Internal Revenue Service and, and also possibly even with title companies if you're trying to refinance or if you're trying to sell property. I can make sure to clean up that problem to fix that broken estate plan or broken trust. Uh, I actually have a dedicated website dealing just with this issue, which is called IrrevocableTrustDoctor.com. IrrevocableTrustDoctor, all one word, dot com. And that's a dedicated website where I talk about issues like this and other issues uh, people might want to make changes to trust for other reason, like to put in asset protection for the next generation that didn't exist in the original trust. A lot of different reasons. Maybe to put into the trust 
that a share is going to go into a special or supplemental needs trust for a beneficiary who is now a special needs person. There's a lot of things that this can be used for. IrrevocableTrustDoctor.com. If you have a situation like that or know somebody facing that, I urge them, take a look at the website. You might be surprised at how a problem like this can be fixed. An otherwise irrevocable trust can actually be repaired or converted to some other language, some other form of trust. It's a pretty remarkable thing we can do, but you have to go through the courts to do it, and I can assist with that. Now, here's someone asking uh, um, what is a very simple question, but they're, they're not quite sure what the answer is. If someone appears in court having an interest in property as successor trustee, what does that mean? Does it mean that the trustee is absent? Does it mean that the position of trustee is vacant? Um, Well, this is what it means. Successor trustee could mean one of a number of things. It could mean that the original trustee has become incapacitated and the successor has to take over because the original trustee can't handle things. It could mean the original trustee has died, which means the successor has to take over because obviously someone who's deceased cannot handle things. It could also mean that the original trustee has resigned and the successor trustee is the next one named in order, much like the vice president to the president of the country. Um, And in that case, they now take over as the successor. It could mean that the trustee doesn't want to be the trustee anymore and they appointed a successor because the trust may provide the ability to do that. Uh, It could also, in very limited circumstances, mean that a court has been invoked and the court has appointed someone as the successor trustee. So there's right there, I think, five different possibilities why there would be a successor trustee. The most common one is probably that the original trustee has become incapacitated or has died, and that's why we have a successor taking over at that time. Now here, um, just have a short amount of time left before the mid-show break, so let's see if I can get get this one out before we uh, break at the third uh, third hour here, or the third third break for the show. Here's someone said, Mom just passed, Dad died earlier, I'm the successor trustee. I just found a life insurance from Dad that's in Mom's name, not in the trust name, and there's no beneficiary. Is this automatically considered part of the trust, or does it need it to be added? And if so, how can it be added? Well, first of all, if the value of the life insurance policy that was dad's, uh, that insured dad, that's not payable to anybody, if that's less than a $150,000 value, that could be taken over with an affidavit of small estate value by this person as successor trustee. If it's more than that, you're probably going to need to do a Hegstat petition which I've talked about on the show before. But after the break, I'll give a brief summary of what a Hegstat petition is and actually how I do them all the time. So, till after the break, Attorney Bob Bergman, talk with you then. Now, back to Plan Your Estate Radio with Attorney Bob Bergman. 
welcome back. Uh, before the break, I was talking about this situation where someone had a, uh, they found a life insurance policy on their father that uh, was actually, uh, that was in the, the mother's name, but not the name of the trust, and there was no beneficiary. So that means that there's actually loosed funds out there uh, that um, that don't have anybody to go to, and both the, the father and the mother have passed away. I indicated that if it's less than $150,000 in value, and it could be a, an old, excuse me, an older policy that actually is uh, under that value, then it could be taken over with something called an affidavit of small estate value. It's actually probate code section 13100, and, uh, and that could be pretty easy. But if it's more than that, if it's, you know, 200000 half a million, something like that, they would have to do a Hegstat petition to actually get that property transferred into the um, into the trust because this person is a successor trustee. Now, what that would involve is petitioning the court and identifying, here's this insurance, it's payable to uh, to the estate of the of the owner, in this case, it would be the estate of the mother because she owned the policy, and, uh, and then hopefully the mother actually has a special type of will called a pour-over will and, uh, and some other things. That would be sufficient in some counties to get that insurance proceeds turned over to the parent's trust without having to go through a full probate process. Now, uh, I do that myself. Um, I can do it just like I do the the trust modification petitions I talked about in the previous segment. I do the what are called Hegstat petitions, uh, going to court and having property that's payable to someone's estate or in their name when they died that wasn't in their trust, making sure that that can get over into their trust without having to go through the whole probate process. I do those here in a county in the Bay Area. I can actually do them for for trusts anywhere in the state of California, no matter where the person lived. And I can do them without a formal hearing, which is very quick process, typically turn around one to two weeks. And uh, as long as everybody who is a beneficiary agrees um, and they agree to permit the matter to be heard in the county that I go to, I can get this done for them. For Hegstat petitions, much like for the trust modification petitions I talked about before, I have a dedicated website for that as well called HegstatHelp.com. Now, Hegstat is um, spelled not the way you might think. It's spelled H-E-G-G-S-T-A-D and then help, H-E-L-P, all one word, dot com. So that is um, that is a way to actually take care of that situation. So let's see what we got here. Yeah, uh, one more out here. Here's someone that is talking about uh, they live in the East Bay here in the San Francisco Bay Area and said, my partner and I have been living together for five years. I bought our house and the house and all utilities are under my name. If I die first, does he have any claim to the house? He's invested as much as I have in renovation costs. I would like the house to go to my children, but if I state in my will that the house goes to my children, 
and my domestic partner can live in the property as long as he wishes, and he gets half of the profit upon sale of the house, will this be good enough to ensure he does not get any ownership? I don't believe he would qualify to take over the mortgage, but my children would. Well, the way to do that is to put the property into a trust and provide for those things to happen in the trust. If you're talking about having your um, unregistered domestic partner, which basically means just the person you're cohabitating with, uh, unless you register, you aren't really a domestic partner here in California. And to be recognized, you'd have to be registered at the state level, not at a local municipal level, but with the state. <clears throat> if you put the property in trust, you could provide that it goes to your children. The, the, the domestic partner, I'll use that term, can live in the property as long as he wishes. You, there would probably also need to be provisions about who pays the property taxes, insurance, who pays the mortgage, who pays for the utilities, and what happens if those aren't taken care of. But that would be the proper way to do that. Leave it in trust with a lifetime right to live in the property and then provide that if it is sold during that person's lifetime, half the proceeds um, half the proceeds would go to the partner uh, upon the sale. Uh, you could have other things in there as well to make sure that uh, – what happens if the partner dies before it's sold? Does that mean that nothing goes to that partner or that partner's heirs? Those are the kinds of things we talk about in meetings, and that's why I'm an estate planner and not a trust lawyer, because I plan estates. We look at these situations, and we come up with solutions for them. So we're about to wrap up the show today. I want to remind you that I have uh, estate planning attorney James Berge or Jim Berge, Joining me next uh, Friday. Also, I want to repeat, uh, my friend CFP Eric Heckman is having presentations on the 6th and 7th this week at the Camden Community Center. 800-931-5973 is the way to register for one of those events. It's on retirement planning. I think you'll find them very informative. He's a great guy, and he has a lot of knowledge, and he's there to help you with things like that. So, getting ready to sign off for the day. Um, a month from now, when I'm doing my show, it'll probably be from my new location. And until then, this is attorney Bob Bergman. Talk with you next week with Jim Berge. You've been listening to Plan Your Estate Radio with estate planning attorney Bob Bergman. For more information on today's program or to schedule a consultation, visit lawbob.com, where you'll also find information on his upcoming estate planning seminars. L-A-W-B-O-B, lawbob.com. Or call his office in San Jose, 408-247-0444. That's 408-247-0444. And be sure to tune in next week for more Plan Your Estate Radio. Opinions expressed in the preceding program do not necessarily represent the views of the ownership, staff, or management of this station and are for informational purposes only and should not be construed to be legal, financial, or tax advice. Seek appropriate legal advice regarding your particular situation. Attorney Bob Bergman does not offer any guarantees with regard to the outcome of your legal matter. Prior results in other cases do not guarantee a similar outcome in your case. All right. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. 
The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.